This episode of the Buff Podcast was recorded before the news broke of the sad passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. As a result, we discussed the upcoming game against Cheltenham Town without that added context. Our thoughts and prayers are with the loved ones, our listeners. May she rest in peace. First, not last. It's not surpassed. It used to be a newspaper. The Buff Podcast. Not outclassed. Hello and welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Hiles and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is the Bolton Wanderers show that puts the apostrophe in Papa John's trophy, whether the EFL like it or not. And on the Buff this week, it's George's Marvellous Medicine. George Thomason leads the way against Charlton. Blankety blank, deadline day ends up being Dullesville, Tennessee. Horses for courses, Wanderers get ready for Cheltenham. And we guarantee to be the only podcast this week that talks about Nikki Southall's photography skills. But first, we kicked off a series of features this week in the Bolton News by talking to Colin Todd about the first ever game at the Reebok Stadium. You remember it, it was against Everton, Jerry Taggart's famous goal that never was and, and all that. It was a game nobody's going to forget and I doubt anybody's going to stop talking about for the next 25 years. But we've got plenty more where that came from. And over the coming weeks, we'll be bringing you loads and loads more stadium-related nostalgia, match reports, interviews, you know, a bit of trivia as well on the, on the stadium in what is now its 25th anniversary year. Of course, that big do at the end of the month as well with Colin Todd and, and players from the 96-97 season coming back talking about their experiences with Wanderers. It'll all be there for subscribers. Along with that, you've got my weekly column inside Wanderers, the fantastic 75 years of Wanderer memoirs, uh, big match verdict on Sundays. There's loads and loads and loads, all for just for subscribers to the Bolton News. And currently, we're offering the first two months for £2. Please go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe to see all the other benefits you get. And now... Uh, an announcement just reaching us here on the buff. New Prime Minister Liz Truss has made another appointment in her cabinet. Keith Hill will be the new minister responsible for onions. And joining me to provide instant reaction to this breaking story is talking head Henry Hewitt. Henry, would you say it's time for our listeners to panic? Yes. Yes, I do, Mark. Yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> um you know, we could argue that maybe there's not a man who uh, would be better to really push onions into uh, the the minds and the plates of children mm. uh, and young people around the country. But as a man who absolutely hates onions um, and doesn't, uh, impartial to Keith Hill, it probably is a match made in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Well, pretty soon because of Brexit, it's uh, onions, parsnips and turnips. That's all we've got. That's all that that's all that Britain really grows very well anyway. So that's pretty much what we'll be eating. Uh, so you better get used to it. Uh, he'll have one of the biggest positions in government before much longer. OK, I digress. This has, That's not really what this podcast is about. This podcast, of course, is about Bolton Wanderers and how they've been getting on. And this week, it was back to winning ways against Charlton Athletic. 3-1 at the weekend. Good performance. Uh, yeah, it was. It had its uh, faults. I think it, I, don't, I don't think Bolton got out of third gear necessarily because we didn't need to. I thought um, 
So, yeah, and you could argue it was a really good performance. But I think there was a few... I think complacency kicked in, to be honest, with um, some of the play. And, you know, we could have gone on and won that 5 or 6-1. But I think some straight passes or... Um, you can really tell, which we'll get onto in a moment, but you can tell that some of the strikers, especially Dapo, is desperate to score. Um, and I think that impacted us. Whereas if, if they were all scoring, I think, um, you know, yeah, like I said, we could have scored five or six, but we'd only just lost uh, three games in a row. So I'm not going to be negative. I'm not going to be picky. It was a good win, 3-1. We played Charlton off the park. It was, to me, a team who... We're probably, if you look at levels in the league, you've got the teams at the very top, the Ipswiches and mm. the Portsmouths who are doing very well. And and then you've got the teams below where I think we fit in. So you kind of maybe get a promotion run, but realistically the playoffs. I think Charlton are that level below where they're hoping for the playoffs, but they're still at the start of their sort of rebuild. So to beat them convincingly is a good sign. Yeah, Charlton top of tier two in uh, in League One for me. As you say, still still re- rebuilding. I mean, I, I've got to say, I was feeling pretty negative for about five minutes before Bradley equalised when George Johnston had, had let the ball go on the edge of the box. You know, another mistake, 1-0 down after four minutes. There was there was a, a, almost a, a familiar, almost a reassuring feel around uh, around the Uniball at that point because it was about 19,000 fans in. And it was just, it was a very familiar sound of, oh, you know, here we go again, mm. uh, which we haven't really we haven't really felt like. Even even when mistakes have been made, hasn't really been much of a negative atmosphere. But I think for about five minutes, it threatened to go that way. Yeah, it did. Um, you know, and I think it's just the, the fact that we give a goal away so easily. Like, yeah. If it would have been a... If it had been a thirty-yard screamer like the uh, the Charlton goal at the last match at Burnden, then I think people would it wouldn't have had that negative. They would have obviously had a negative attitude. You've gone one 0 down, but I don't think it would have been as much. Mm. I think it was the fact that they looked and thought we've given this goal away. We didn't need to, and we're up against it. And yet again, we've we've let a side in because I think before that Bolton have been on the front foot. They've been you know looking like they wanted to really have a good start and. Um, you know, we won the game, so it doesn't matter. But, you know, I, I do think when we're playing, especially when you look at, say, Peter in a few weeks, if you're giving those opportunities to their strikers, they, we, they're going to punish you. So uh, we need to, we really need to eradicate that, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was probably a bit more upbeat than you're, you're sounding about the result, really. Just just because, tactically speaking, it, it seemed to go according to plan for them because... We knew the way that Charlton were going to play. They were going to try and you know keep all the possession. Very very similar in style to the way that Bolton do at the moment. Um, and when they brought when he when he named George Thomason in the lineup before kickoff, a lot of eyebrows were raised because obviously he played against Crew in the Papa Johns, uh, and and probably isn't at the top of the obvious starters list. Um, maybe he's a bit nearer to it now because I thought he was outstanding, but. It, it kind of shows you that there is there is tactical nuance within this squad now, and that you can he can tailor things to how he thinks games are going to go, and, and and it won't always be right, of course. But he did get it spot on. You've got to take your cap off to the manager a little bit for for the way he went about things tactically. Yeah, and I mean, I like George Thomas, and I, I I so when I saw he's, he was starting, um, <clears throat> I I was I thought brilliant, like. Uh, he, he gets a chance to really show what he can do because I think that Thomason's one of our, um, you know, say you compare him to MJ, for example, um, and I know he's slightly different players, but it's the same sort of position. I think 
Um, whereas MJ will get the ball and pass it, uh, Thomason kind of looks forward all the time. And maybe that's in the naivety of youth, but I think you've got someone there who looks forward and will ping balls around. Um, and I think he, he does put us on the front foot. So, uh, yeah, I was really glad that he had a good game because, um, you know, I thought, especially last year, uh, I thought some of his criticism coming his way was a bit unjust, personally. So I'm, I'm glad he, he did well. Yeah, yeah. I sometimes think just the playing style... Maybe he does. He does catch the eye because he doesn't. You know, he doesn't deliver the ball. He doesn't run. He doesn't look necessarily the same as the same as the rest. He's not as graceful as a, you know, an Aaron Morley, let's say. But um, I know I, I think he's he's a cracking kid, and I think he's got he's got a lot of football in front of him. He's uh, he's, he's a good guy, is George, and uh, played very 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 well. But as you touched on just a couple of seconds ago, there, Henry, the strikers still haven't scored a goal. I mean, Bolton went two one up. Kieran Lee before half-time and after half-time, Charlton had maybe about 10 minutes where it looked like they, they could potentially get back on even keel. Trafford made a couple of good saves. But after that, Bolton were dominating. But it did seem to descend a little bit into a who can get their name on a score sheet type of game. And, and people were snatching at chances. It was all breaking down a little bit around the penalty box. It, do you think it's starting to get to them a little bit? I think it is not so much Dion because he scored two the other uh, the other week and he scored against Villa. I think yeah. Dapo's the one for me. I think <clears throat> Dapo Bakayoko a little bit, but I think there's there's other parts of Baka's game that he's letting him down at the moment. Like the, his first touch on Saturday wasn't you know wasn't very good, mm. and he he lost a lot of balls. So maybe uh, not so much as for him, but I think definitely for Dapo, you can tell that. I don't know whether it's frustrating uh, that he's not having much of, as much of the play, but he came on on uh, Saturday. Obviously, Charlton were tired, and he was he was at his best. He just needed a goal, and I think he he was trying a bit too hard. So um, there was a chance, there was an opportunity where he had the ball, and um, I think it was two on one, and he should have played Dion in, but he he went on his own, and we didn't score, and mm. um, yeah, I think I think for him, more than anyone at the moment, he's just a bit, but, but that's uh, Dapapo's character, you know, he wants to be top goal scorer, he wants to score every week, so I think even if if he had, hadn't scored in two games, he'd still be feeling the same. Yeah, no, I don't think you're going to change him, I wouldn't want to change him, but I do agree with you, I think if they can get this weekend in this this run of three fixtures over the next week, if if they can get the strikers on the score sheet, then uh, I can well basically I can stop writing about it. Um, it was also my fault really last week that we decided to do a transfer deadline day podcast with the expectation being that there was going to be business on transfer deadline day because basically that's why you never said I mean, said don't put you know get your biscuits in it's going to be a it's going to be interesting there could be ins there could be outs so we're, we're all getting quite excited about that really uh, at this time last week now what i just want to put out there is does anybody want to buy a truckload of biscuits unused uneaten uh because i had very little call for them last week yeah, I was. Um, I can't remember what I was doing last. Uh, last bit. Oh, I was at a water park in Spain. Uh, so I was. Uh, I was kind of off the grid a little bit, but um, so I was keeping up to date with the the, uh, the deadline blog. But then every everything else with deadline day, like other teams, I just weren't even involved with. And whenever I go on and check, it was just you talking about. I thought, you're really scraping the barrel with some of the stuff you're talking about because there's literally nothing. So um, I did feel sorry for you there, and uh, I guess, but you know, it, it's 
it really uh, made you think creatively. So, you know, I, I mean, for future episodes of the buff and content, it was probably the best thing that could have happened. For the immediate content, probably the worst. Yeah, sixteen-hour stand-up gig. Basically, that was that's what it ended <laughs> up being. Uh, one man, one stage, one microphone. Um, yeah, I, I mean, and also halfway through the day, we had a press conference with Ian Everett, where uh, whilst he kind of he explained what the situation was like, he didn't, you know, he was he's definitely not ruling out doing anything. He kind of softened where he'd been at earlier in the week and said, "Well, listen, I've been offered all these big players, all these big names that we thought were going to be completely out of our reach," um, but he was kind of leaning towards not doing it and he was offering all these reasons for not doing it. Now it kind of angered quite a few people, I think on the day uh, that, that maybe they were passing up on players who could improve, particularly, I think a lot of people got the, you know, into the strikers and yes, nobody's scored at that point in time. And, um, you know, Bolton maybe don't have a certain type of player or, or maybe a center half. A few people were saying, can you can you kind of understand from what you've you've heard from me and ever why he didn't take that chance? I can do because as we've said before on this podcast, we're quite happy with the squad as it is. I, I don't think there's necessarily at the moment a position where you out and out go. Yes, we we're short in that position. Mm. Um, you kind of look and go, well, there's there's cover all over the pitch. So I think that oh that means on the whole the the transfer deadline has been or the transfer window has been a good one because we've kind of filled those positions but um you know I, yeah it's the temptation's always there when you when you look at our strikers haven't scored the temptation will be there if Yogi and being offered a for example a Macaulay Barton who's who's mm. done it at this level the temptation is to go well we'll go for him but then you've got to think that you know you you've got to think that bringing in lone players like that it, it, are they going to turn into good a full move potentially mm. not so is there any point would you rather have a take a chunga in there who okay he's not the most prolific but he's our player and if he gets a run of games he might get we might get the benefit of that or bring in a lone player just for the sake of it from the championship who might not click and then might actually make the other strikers um you know uh, the the morale go down well i think i think that's that's the thing it's it's morale i think the biggest issue that that I gleaned from what Ian Everett said was that in an ecosystem like a you know a dress a football dressing room a football squad, you only need one bad egg. You only need one guy who's who's maybe just got the wrong attitude or maybe doesn't get get on with the rest, and it can bring everything else down. Now at the minute, from the outside looking in, I think it's pretty good there. I think it's. Generally, you know, everybody's on the same page. I think everybody's bought into this squad rotation thing. There's not a lot of ego there. You know, yeah, there's a, there's a few people that probably moan more than the others when they're out of the team. But I think, generally speaking, it's quite a harmonious squad. Now, were you to bring in another player, A, you could jeopardise the players, as you said, that they're already there. You could, you could maybe put somebody's nose out of joint. But also, you know, you're not necessarily, you've not necessarily done the homework on these players that have suddenly been offered to you. So you're kind of conflicting on everything you've done during the summer, all the, the data and all the analysis and everything everything you've invested in that Chris Markham and his team have done. You're kind of going against it for something that's quite a knee-jerk job. So, yeah, I mean, you're getting into championship manager territory, aren't you? It's, it's kind of like, oh, I fancy him, I fancy him. You're kind of just cherry-picking stuff on a deadline day. I, I suppose it doesn't work like that in the real world. And, and I think that's probably where 
where the manager's coming from. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, we won the game after it. And if we have a good, you know, if we have a good run now throughout uh, September and October, then it's all forgotten about. And everyone says he's a genius because um, he, he didn't disrupt that. OK, it's been a, a while since we did a, a proper troll around social media for ex-Wanderers. But first, as we exclusively revealed last week, former Wanderers emoji spaffer turned chart topper Lee Anderson might well have moved in a new musical direction. Listen to this, see what you think. This is not Lee Anderson, this is the And just to clarify, that was definitely not Lee Anderson there. Uh, just one of the many, many, many German electro-pop tribute tacks that have popped up and doing the rounds. Um, he just, you know, he just inspires a lot of people, Henry. That's that's it, really. You know, emoji spaffer chart topper is uh, one of your better lines, I've got to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I occasionally make notes and... I have to say that piece of paper that says emoji spaffer turn chart topper on the kitchen table, I'm going to have to burn after we've done this uh, <laughs> podcast because I'm not too sure I want my kids to see that one. Anyway, um, yes, definitely not Lee Anderson, by the way. Um, I did promise, however, that uh, we would show you some uh, Nikki Southall photography. Now, obviously, this is an audio medium, so I can't show you it, but I will direct you towards Nikki Southall's uh, Twitter account or his Instagram account, uh, Nicky Southall, ex-Wanderers winger, of course. Um, he's, he's, he's posted two photos recently that really have caught my eye. Um, I sent them to you, Henry. Do you want to, do you want to describe them for me? Uh, well, um, one is of two birds in a washing-up bowl having a bath. Um, yeah. I, I, what kind of birds are they again? They, they look they look they look cute now because they're young, but they look they're going to be very vicious when they're older. Right? Can I just right from the off there? We're talking about you know aviary type birds. <laughs> we're talking about birds with beaks here. We're not we're not. This isn't on the buses, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe a certain generation of Wanderers fan will be think of getting a bit worried, and then the, the younger generation who perhaps. Um, and going around calling women birds who go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what he's on about. You know, chicks. That's the chicks, can't even say that. No, you can't say chicks. You can't say, I'm sorry about all this uh, for, for, for the more PC crowd here. Um, I should probably insert a Sid James laugh somewhere. But anyway. <laughs> um, yes, we are talking about macaws. A little, and t- I tell you what, I, I had to double check because they look, they look horrible. I didn't, I didn't realise birds looked that bad when they were young. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's because they've not got any fur. Um, yeah. It's yeah, you you do see. I saw a parrot once on. Uh, I think it was just on the internet. I saw a parrot once without fur, and it's the scariest, weirdest thing. Owls as well without uh, fur. The yeah, they look really, really scary. Um, but on a, a lighter note, his his, his his other photo is he looks like he's on a golf course and there's a rainbow. So that's nice. It just 
He brings you so much joy, Nicky Southall. I just think he's he's well worth following. Simply, and also, do you know what else he brings you? Film reviews. I'll ring. I'll read out a couple. Uh, Nicky Southall, aka Barry Norman. Uh, Top Gun. Hashtag Maverick. What a film. Outstanding. Three emoji claps. Wow. Is, is that his? Is he giving it three emoji claps out of five? Is that his rating? I think that's his ratings, yeah. But uh, we moves on. He says, Core, just watch the new hashtag Elvis film. How good's the actor who plays Elvis? Unbelievable film, wow. Dancing emoji. The music's incredible. Two hands up emoji. I would agree with that. I enjoyed the Elvis film. I thought it was overblown and typical Baz Luhrmann nonsense. But there we go. It was to each their own. To each their own. Um, right, okay, moving on and, 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 and shifting gears slightly as well. Uh, one of Nicky's former teammates, Ian Marshall. Um, well, I think it's best to describe his output on Twitter as old school. I think the the, the parrots, the parrots or the macaws in uh, Washington Bowl, there would have been a lot more jokes uh, intended uh, for, for Ian Marshall, I think, uh, for, for, for that little skit. Um, he's, he's you know, I mean, I'll leave it to you to, to judge what he's tweeted. He said... Uh, Great to see how even the women's game is. World oh, Cup yeah. qualifiers. And then he followed it up with a tweet saying, Mighty Switzerland 15-0. And another one that said, uh, Memories of Sunday League football. Which, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure I like the sentiment. But his next tweet then said, Rangers are going to get battered 6 or 7. Well, he was, he was almost right with that one. He was almost right with that one. You, you could say there's double standards there, I suppose. <laughs> um, let's let's move on to the death-defying world of Yon Daddy Badvarsen. Um, pictured on his wife's Instagram this week, uh, his wife Marie, about 10 yards away from an erupting volcano. Well, those Icelandics, they, they, I mean, a volcano to them is like a... I don't know, it's like the thunderstorm the other night to us. It's just ten a penny. No, it's a bit like, you know, going into a harvester and sitting by the roaring fire. It doesn't really matter to them whatsoever. <laughs> it's like, you know, just sit there with a picnic. And all this, it's like Dante's Peak in there. It was amazing. Like, properly, I don't know if anybody's seen the, the picture. Please, uh, uh, we should really, you know, start a buff Instagram account for this sort of thing. But, yeah, go, go to... Uh, have a troll around social media. Go to uh, uh, Maria Bodvarsen's um, uh, uh, account and have a look at that picture because literally it looks like a penalty box away from two smiling Icelanders. Uh, and there's actually guys that are closer as well with cameras. You've got this lava just spurting up in the air. It's incredible. Um, and, and do you know what? You know, I don't want to be the one that, that says that uh, Bodvarsen is a doubt for the weekend brackets uh, lava. <laughs> yeah, a, a slight burn on his foot. <laughs> Brackets, natural disaster. No, <laughs> I don't don't need that. Um, also, a shout out to who I think is the most genuinely positive ex-wanderer who you can follow on social media. Laurie Wilson. What a bloke. What a nice bloke. Oh, that's a name I've not heard for a while. Laurie Wilson. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Well worth well worth reading. Super positive. Super positive. I think he has some sort of like life coach job at the moment. Uh, great. Great. Well done, Laurie. Okay, this is a news podcast. Let's have some headlines, Henry.
Yeah, well, uh, the one signing we did make last week, Owen Beck, um, he's in the, the building. What does he bring? Who, like, what position is he in? Um, is he going to be as good as Connor Bradley? Come on, we want to know about this guy. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a left a left wing back or left back um, who will play left wing back at Wanderers. Now, we've already got two, I hear you shouting. Uh, Jack Idale mm. and Declan John have been filling that position pretty well, I'd imagine. Uh, so far, and we kind of know between those two, kind of the the, the 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 sort of split jobs. Declan John is a more attacking wing back. We know that he's not as good defensively, whereas Jack Iredale is, you know, a bigger lad. He's probably better in the air. He's better defensively, but maybe hasn't got the same kind of skill set going forward. Although actually, I thought he played really well at the weekend. I thought his crossing was superb. Mm. Um, we uh, we asked Ian Everett uh, this on Wednesday, and he said that uh, Owen Beck is kind of a hybrid of the two. So he has got, you know, a bit more defensively about him and also got plenty of energy going forward. Basically, a mirror opposite of Connor Bradley. Am I saying he's going to be as good as Connor Bradley? I think that'd be a lot of pressure to put on the young man, but he seems to be of the same pedigree. He's He's played at the same level coming through Liverpool, I reckon he's going to be good. But I reckon it's going to mean a big choice then with Iredale as to whether or not he moves and plays left centre-half, what that means for George Johnston, who's played more football than anybody else in the Wanderers squad at the moment. Mm. Yes, it gives them options, but I tell you what, when he gets fit, and he's not quite there at the moment, but when he does get fit, there's going to be a lot of big decisions for Ian Everett to make. Yeah, there is. I feel that the Iredale moving more central is probably the option that is is going to happen. Um, you know, I know there were rumours about Declan John leaving around deadline day, which which obviously never happened. We don't know if any bids came in or anything. No, but, no, 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 no. Um, so yeah, it's it, well, it's it's going to be interesting because I, I think everyone's he comes he comes highly. You know, I, he, a lot of people are speaking highly of him. Um, we always we also looking at Connor Bradley and thinking, oh well, we've got a Connor Bradley on the other side. We're going to smash the league. We don't know that for sure. Um, it might not work out, but I think with this one, you can be a bit more relaxed about it because if it doesn't work out, then we've got two players on that side anyway. If Connor Bradley didn't work out, we've not got anyone. We've got Gavin Jones and Sadlier maybe in this Grove. So um, yeah, but I think for me, I'm more relaxed about this one. Yeah, yeah, you're probably you're probably right. Give us another headline. Uh, well, this was uh, this got us nervy on Saturday. Three um, one, eighty odd minutes. We're all relaxed. We're all singing. We're giving the Olays every pass, singing Bolton and Massive everywhere we go. <laughs> and then Trafford goes down, and suddenly it's heart in mouth. We don't have a sub goalie, uh, and everyone's nervous. But it's uh, it sounds like he's okay. But would that have been a, a bit of an embarrassment to Ian Everett if he had to come off and and would have put one of the, the outfield players in goal? Yeah, I think I, there's certainly been a lot of people waiting to say, I told you so, hasn't it? It's, it will happen someday, I'm sure, uh, if if it continues. It, well, it, it, law of average, it's bound to happen at some stage, but it's very, very rare, isn't it? It's very, very rare. Mm. I, I, I think Trafford would have soldiered on regardless. I don't think we would have been having a McGinley situation um, he got a knock on his ankle. He might not have taken goal kicks or that kind of thing. He might not have been, you know, knocking the ball about at the back. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, there was a hearty mouth moment. You could sense the tension around the ground as well because, uh, 
you know, everybody, like I say, has been sat there waiting for something like this to happen. Um, and he, he took sort of two or three minutes. I also noticed when Matt Barris came back off uh, the field that he never went straight over to him and kind of, you know, how they talk in the Premier League with your hand over your mouth and like, because there's, there's uh, lip readers everywhere in the Premier League, apparently. I don't know why the players insist on doing it as if what they're saying is like extra specially brilliant. But um, yeah. yeah, he went over and did a bit of that with Matt Barris. Uh, both of them kind of shot each other a look and he was he was OK. But clearly he was in a bit of pain, Trafford. Um, a few people said he was limping away from the stadium, which then kind of resonated over the weekend. By Monday, I was find myself, oh, I'm going to have to get on top of this and find out if there is a major problem because, you know, the world had to uh, had to react to that sort of one. But alas, no problem. Traff's okay. He's going to play against Shelton. There's no issues. Uh, we can put away the uh, uh, we can put away the pitchforks now. <laughs> uh, well, that's good. Um, just a, a, a quick side uh, to a side note on the um, Cheltenham game. John Daddy Bavarsen's another uh, person who um, he's kind of been out, and mm. is he going to be ready for tomorrow? Uh, well, Saturday, of course. As we as this gets released, we're recording it on Thursday. But uh, is he going to be okay, or, or are we going to wait a few more weeks for him? Um, well, he's, he's had a little bit of a hamstring problem. I'm told that he's in full training as of Monday. Um, and then they're going to kind of leave it up to him as to whether he goes away on international duty. We we know there's pictorial evidence that he has been, um, you know, hiking up and down mountains or volcanoes. So I assume he's not too bad. Um, but uh, he'll be back in the camp on Monday and doing, uh, you know, get, getting involved again. I, I suspect that Tuesday would be too soon for him at MK Dons, but you know, maybe if he's, if he's, uh, the healing powers of the volcano, maybe he'll be, uh, be fine by, by Saturday. Maybe that'd be a nice line to run if he managed to score against Peterborough. Yeah, it could be. Um, I think we need him back because, you know, I think as we saw on Saturday, as I said, with Bakayoko, you know, he, I don't know whether his, his confidence weren't quite there. A few misplaced no. passes and touches. Um, you know, I think Bod Barson would have been a good, um, yeah, just a, so, a good sort of uh, person to bring off the bench or maybe start Bod Barson and have Bakayoko coming off the bench. I think it just gives us more options. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I, I agree with you, Bakayoko. It's been... It's been a difficult start to the season for him, really. I, I, I did wonder. We said last week on the the transfer deadline day podcast that there's. We went into the season thinking, fantastic, everything's fine. You know, the squad's nicely balanced, but there's always a few players that accelerate, and there's always a few players that decelerate, especially ones that are in that final year of the contract. And Bakayoko is in that, um, that category. He's another one that's going to be going away for for international duty as well next week. So, you know, maybe maybe that's been difficult. He's been going all summer. He's basically on a different kind of tangent to the other players as far as how far he's been playing. You know, maybe that has affected him. Who knows? Yeah, hopefully not. But we'll uh, maybe he just needs to go away and come back, go back to uh, Sierra Leone and come back fresh and ready to attack the rest of the season. Um, Speaking, we we talked about deadlines before, and uh, I mean, Marlon, we give up on Marlon Fossey a long time ago, but he's finally found his club, and he's mm. going to Belgium to standard Liège. Do you 
is this what do you think? Is this a good move for him? Should he have come? Um, you know, if they were talking about him being in the championship, should he have gone to the championship? What What do you think? Well, I think it's great that he's not at Wigan. I think it's fantastic yeah. that he's not at Wigan. First and foremost, when that rumor was knocking about over the summer, I just thought, Marlon, please don't, uh, please don't. I don't know that anything really transpired with that. They, they looked like there was a bit of interest. There was with uh, Preston North End as well. They were looking for a wing back and it, it never came off there as well. So he clearly had a few nibbles in the championship, but I think it's an interesting one for him. I think standardly aged, they're not quite at the level they were a few years ago when they were playing Champions League football. They've had a few you know, more, more fallow years really in, in Belgian football, but still a very, very decent sized club, a decent level of football as well. Uh, the chance of playing European football at, you know, at some stage in the future and he's a young man that, you know, he needs regular football. And, and he got that Bolton. It was a good little platform for him. There have been a few people talking about injuries and whether or not that's just going to end up being the case. Maybe that is the main reason that Bolton didn't get involved in the summer. I know there's a lot, you know, he never said about Bradley becoming available and him being first option. But there was always that little niggling doubt in the back of the mind that, that Fossey had struggled with injuries and, and, and maybe was always going to have, have that about him. But um, I hope he proves everybody wrong. I hope he goes over there, smashes it, gets in the American team and, you know, he can be one of those players that we can say, oh, well, you know, we helped him on his way. Yeah, um, maybe you you think that with Fossey, because um, I know with, with me doing an MLS podcast, I know there's a lot of American players tend to go to sort of Belgium or Austrian league to, to then as a stepping stone to get over to the, the Premier League, for example. So maybe he's looking at it like that. He's, he's, you know, he's kind of, maybe he's doing it backwards. Maybe he'll go back to MLS. But um, yeah, he's, um, I think for him trying to get into the American team, he's probably thinking if I do well in a, a top division, um, then, you know, I've got a better chance because I guess everyone, um, who's got half a mind on a World Cup and you think of our maybe our Welsh lads uh, are all thinking I've got four months to impress so um, yeah I'm with you I think if you'd have gone to Wigan I don't think that I'd have uh, been the best move especially with Bolton fans I think they'd do a lot of upset so going to standard Liège I think a lot will give, a, give the blessing uh, Using your experience of American uh, MLS um, not that there's a different type of MLS but MLS in general mm. um he had the option of going to Inter Miami before going to Bolton. Do you think how it panned out, it, that's been a good thing for him or a bad thing? Probably a good thing. I mean, Inter Miami have got, um, there's a lot of eyes on them and they're not particularly doing as well as they should do. Hmm. So I think there's a, a quite a few players that are going to, to there and, uh, and not performing and, and it's making them look, you know, not making them look great. But I think for Marlon Fossey, I mean, with his injury record, I know where I'd rather be injured with res with respect to Bolton <laughs> or Liège. <laughs> I'd rather be injured in Miami. Um, so maybe maybe that was that was his fault. But I mean, at his age, it wouldn't surprise me if it don't work out here. If he just goes back to America and and has the rest of his days there, to be honest, because we're not talking about an eighteen-year-old, are we? No, he's he's twenty-three. He needs regular football. Right. Let's continue this journey through the headlines, Henry. Yeah, and it's uh, we're looking ahead a few weeks to the end of the month now. Portsmouth game, um, 
obviously Bolton, uh, it's, a, it's a long way to go for the Hardy fans. Um, and uh, we don't really have a great record at Portsmouth, mm-hmm. and they're top of the league. So I know a lot of people may not have been looking forward to it. However, we may have to wait a bit longer because of international, uh, you know, it could be for international duty, players out. Do you think the fact that they're telling us now and pre-warning us, that means that you'd be very surprised if the match is played on that day? Yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy, actually. It's 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 good that the, the clubs have given a bit of advance warning because there's a lot of people who'll be booking coaches or, you know, hotels mm. and all that kind of thing that... Don't need to get, uh, don't need the, the the bother of it, and who might might not go down to the game if it was a Tuesday night, of course, and maybe just watch it on yeah. iFollow. So, um, I'm glad they've given a bit of advance warning. I know there's actually a couple of people that have already done that, and they're a bit miffed about it. But um, I think nowadays, what I'm intrigued with really is is kind of like the advanced warning that you're getting now on the international scene. I don't remember that always being the case. That they're kind of like there's a there's a a pre squad. That, that players have said, well, you know, if you're available, we'll bring you in. So we're kind of getting a very advanced warning now about who may or may not be in uh, international uh, squads. And I know, you know, Bolton are expecting at least three to go. So I, I can almost guarantee that the game is going to get called off or moved. Um, bit of a shame. Tuesday night in Portsmouth doesn't have the same kind of ring to it. Um, but, you know, it'll be a, a nice little uh, overnight job for myself. Um, and and probably, like you say, they, they've been going great guns, Pompey. So if if potentially they might uh, lose a bit of form further down the line, it might be a, a blessing for Bolton. But um, I think when you're looking at the fixtures in September, maybe now they can afford to press a little harder in the in the run up, you know, you've got a, a few games coming up. That are, this this week in it in itself is going to be really big for Bolton. Um, that whole week off would be uh, quite welcome, I would imagine. Yeah, because I think I think this week off. Well, this is maybe something for later, but um, the the week off we've kind of had this week for the first time I think this season that we've not had a midweek game, um, which is great. And he, mm. hopefully the players have been able to relax. But we, I, I don't know. For me, I remember more instances of us having a week off and then coming back on the Saturday and starting slow or not mm. being at the races. Uh, rather than so, you know, I know the. I think it was Michael Owen talking about the other day with Liverpool. But he said um, Liverpool play better when they play midweek Saturday, midweek Saturday because the, you're getting a flow. Suddenly, when that flow finishes and you've got a week, it kind of disrupts everything. So it'd be interesting to see if, if at that point, if we win our next three games, then maybe you're looking and going, "How oh, we could do without this week break?" But if if we don't, then I guess it could become a, a blessing. I think that's an interesting point. I think that the flow of games does help. And, and, you know, it's the old cliche. Any player would rather be playing games than being on the training ground. Of course you would. Um, but I do think that it, it has a it has a huge effect on the amount of time you have on the training ground anyway. So tactically, I can understand from a manager's point of view, it's a bit annoying when you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, because you never really get a, a real good chance to get players on a, on a training ground and to, to, to put any information into them. Uh, it's all it's all very very truncated and and you know with days off and all that kind of stuff it does become a a bit of a difficult one especially if you're going away from home like Bolton have got two in a row with Cheltenham and MK Dons there's going to be next to no time between those two mm. games to be able to get any information about MK Dons you know it's going to be like on the on the coach on the way down basically so um 
I, I can I can see both sides of it, but I, I'd be interested in that. I might even have a look into that about international breaks and what effects they do have on, on Bolton. Because I'm with you. I remember Bolton going leaving for international breaks on a bad note quite a lot because there's nothing worse as a journalist than knowing you've got a whole week ahead of you and you know getting beat 5-0 where the manager doesn't want to speak to you about anything other than how bad the performance has been and also no players want to speak to you either. So it's then you've got mm. nothing for a whole week. Um, but then again, like you say, the, the slow start as well. I do, I do remember many of them. So interesting, interesting. Right, so let's carry on. Uh, yeah, finally, um, looking ahead to Saturday, we're going to be coming up against a player who it could have been in Bolton's team if, mm. uh, if the things would have been different. Yeah, you never just dropped that one in there on uh, Wednesday when we were talking about the Cheltenham game. Uh, Dan Unlundaloo, I believe his name is. Southampton striker. He was at Lincoln last season. I think he's had a couple of little spells with Cheltenham as well. Um, yeah, they, they think quite a lot of him over there. So, And he's, he's got a reasonable scoring record as well. So he's uh, a bit of a handful. In fact, him and Dalfi May, of course, for, for Cheltenham, they're going to need watching because... Um, I was quite impressed. Um, Bolton have got a decent record at, at Wadden Road, but I, th- I thought Sheldon played quite well at the end of last season. I thought they were a decent team. So um, it won't be a walkover by any stretch. Uh, and, and also, how many times have we seen you know a player that Bolton Wanderers wanted uh, come and bite them on the backside? So, yeah, there's, there's a bit of me that wishes I didn't know that, but it, you know it's out <laughs> there now. That's <laughs> such his life. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, but it shows again the, the type of player we're looking at. You know, it, it loan from Southampton, where obviously everyone knows about Southampton, and they've they've brought through a lot of players who have been very successful. So uh, that's another avenue that we're looking at is is these players from the Premier League, these loan players. Um, so it's it is good to hear. Um, could you just hear the postman. Yeah, is, is that the postman at the door? I believe it is. Let's let's answer the door. Is that Philip Moresh? Emails, actually. Uh, yes, it's the postbag time. Well, that wasn't contrived at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, keep keep your emails coming. Keep your emails coming. Um, I want to know more weird and wonderful things that you've. Uh, You've spotted around the, the Wanderers universe. Um, and the weirdest thing I have seen this week, it has nothing to do with Wanderers, but you might have seen the video as well, Henry. The own goal from the Brazilian player in the Amazonian League game. Um, hmm. Did you see it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's the most blatant blatant own goal I've seen. Whatever. He clearly meant to do it. It was, it was clearly on purpose. There was zero remorse on his face as he turned back. Just basically just belted the ball from 20 yards past a stunned goalkeeper. Um, but it also triggered a, it also triggered a, an email that I've been waiting to, to kind of put in there for a bit anyway from, um, from Rob. He says, uh, Dear Mark and Henry, I was bored the other day and started thumbing through some Bolton Wanderer statistics. And I also found out they touched the ball 125,201 times in the Premier League. Uh, so there we go. Wow. Um, I have uh, still, and they've managed more than Brighton, Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest, Leeds, and Brentford, despite dropping out of the division a decade ago. Yeah, and despite us playing long ball, apparently. Well, exactly, exactly. I bet you, you know, a a good half, 75,000 or so of those touches were Kevin Davis's head. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Indeed. Um, I also found out they'd scored 28 own goals 
and they put into their own net 23 times. Um, he says, the one that always sticks in my mind is when Sam Ricketts headed the ball past Yussi Eskalainen oh. against Blackburn Rovers. Um, yeah, that, I, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, he says, uh, it was mad. Um, and I seem to remember one from Kevin Nolan as well, where he volleyed it from a stupid angle at the near post, uh, uh, trying to clear the ball. I think it was against Middlesbrough. Yeah, um, it was, yeah. Yeah, so I remember that one. Uh, he said, in the spirit of Danny Baker, brackets, remember own goals and gaffes, can you remember any more embarrassing own goals for or against Bolton? So, I mean, you've got a much better mind for this than I have, Henry, to be fair. Yeah, well, you sent me um, the clip of the one from the Sunderland player last year yeah. at the, in the 6 0. Um, I was thinking Jordan Turnbull against Salford. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, was, that an own, was that an own goal? I, for some reason, I thought I had Owen Doyle chipping the keeper with that one but yeah I do remember the goal yeah Doyle was uh, chasing him down and I mean Doyle to be fair if my memory serves me right was still about 10 yards away from him so he was he wasn't under that much pressure and he's just volleyed it over and dinked it over the goal it was a good finish to be fair to him um, <laughs> which a lot of these uh, these funny own goals apart from the Chris Bass and Brass one for Berry against Darlington they all are you, you go well it was in the other net it's a good finish Um Richard Dunn scored for City against Bolton once upon a time at the, the Reebok. I think we won 2-0 that game. Uh, so I remember that one. Um, who was the lad? Was it when we beat Leighton Orient in League 2? I think Brockbank was coming in at the far post on a cross and uh, the, the lad's gone to clear it with his... He's gone to clear it at the far post out for a corner and stuck it in the top corner. <laughs> Uh, I remember that one. This this is all fresh information. I was there, of course, <laughs> but this is fresh information yeah. for my brain. I'm afraid. Yeah, but um, yeah. Other than that, I can't. I, I yeah, I can't really remember. So maybe that's one for the the listeners to message in with their favourite own goal. I've got to say though. Uh, so once my wife said um, I was talking to her about football. I said, "Oh, it was an own goal." She went and she said, um, "Oh, a home goal." I said, "No, an own goal." She went. <laughs> Oh, I thought it was home goal because the per- the player would have put it in his own home. <laughs> and there you go. That's someone who uh, it doesn't really watch football. A home goal. Yes, yes. Well, you know, uh, I don't have a lot to say about that, to be honest with you. If you do remember any home goals, I have. I had, do you know what? I do, I, I do remember one. I do remember one. And I'm sure it was Ian Walker. It was one of those, you know, the worst ones are the ones that kind of come off the post and then hit the goalkeeper's back. And I'm sure it was Ian Walker. He might have been playing for Leicester or it might have been Spurs. But I'm sure it was Premier League. And it was either, I think it was Kevin Nolan hit a free kick. And it kind of, one of those that kind of came back off him and just, it just crept over the net. And everybody else had like run back just thinking he'd saved it. And it just squeezed over the line. Yeah, I do. I remember that one. Yeah, and that's uh, obviously inspired Big Sam to sign Ian Walker. <laughs> exactly. Well, any mention of Ian Walker always always just reminds me of lizards. <laughs> and, and that's not a slight on Ian Walker. He was just obsessed with lizards for some reason. Right. I don't know why. <laughs> don't know why. He was a very funny fella. Goalkeepers are mad. Um, yeah. Some goalkeepers are madder than others. And, and Ian Walker was definitely madder than most. Um, he was he was Fred Barber mad, is how mad he was. Right. <laughs> he was also a goalkeeper. He was also a goalkeeper, yeah. yeah. Good, we've had some uh, some interesting characters at Bolton Wanderers down the years. Um, right, okay, I'll move on. Um, 
Mark and Henry. Uh, the buff keeps on getting better and better. Oh, nice. Oh. Um, I think you guys should start doing daily episodes. Brackets just kidding. Oh. I'm glad your brackets just kidding. Um, because I'm, I'm brackets not doing it. So there we go. <laughs> that would, uh, that would involve me quitting my job and just doing podcasts for a living. And who does that Henry for Christ's sake? I know. Um, what, what sort of profession would you have a full time in that? Oh wait, that's me. <laughs> what an utter waste of time that is. Um, right. Okay. Um, the best away fans that have ever been to the Reebok were in the UEFA cup when we played Aris Thessaloniki. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, they were absolutely crazy. Flares, smoke bombs, anything went for them. They never stopped jumping and singing about from about two hours before kickoff. I know because I live half a mile from the stadium and you could hear them. Never seen anything like it in the away end. Um, somebody else, one of our, the guy that does our music, actually, Simon uh, Woods, also mentioned Aris, um, uh, which uh, he, he was uh, responsible for the uh, wonderful uh, Lee Anderson pastiche earlier. Um, but uh, Simon also mentioned Aris, so it must be right if if more than one person agree, which is very rare in the Bolton fan base. Um, you were, he also says, you said about big clubs coming to Bolton in the Premier League with quiet fans and Arsenal, but were by far the worst. They had a good team at the time as well, but they just sat there like jerks, mice, he says. Well, it's funny he says that because I was talking to my dad on Saturday at the match and he reminded me that um, when I was, I must have been 10 or 11, it was, I think the first season we had a, uh, uh, back in the Premier League when we had the, the long run of seasons in the Premier League. Mm. We played Arsenal at the end of the season. I think they'd I think they were going to win the league. They didn't win the league at Bolton, but they were they were about to I think they I think they played Bolton and then they went to Man United and I think Will Todd scored for the one oh, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh and I think they might have played us the game before it. Um and he he told me that walking out the ground Apparently, the ten-year-old. I was, I was holding my head, going, "I've got a headache, too much noise." <laughs> so, actually, Arsenal, when Arsenal are quiet for the whole season until they're a game away from winning the league, and then apparently make some noise. <laughs> or for a ten-year-old, anyway. Well, for a ten-year-old, yeah. Has Has anybody ever given you a headache at a football game? Uh, do email in. Do email in. Um, some yeah. more, some more news just reaching us on the buff. Another appointment in the cabinet. Um, Owen Coyle has got the job of uh, Minister of Defence, um, which is, oh, and, and, and Iron Brew as well. So that's, uh, well done, Owen, well done. That's uh, yeah. more more news from Downing Street. Okay, um, we better get some news from uh, the Fantasy Football League, I suppose. No, you don't have to. No, uh, I wish we didn't. Um, yeah, I mean, it's still going. I will say that uh, we're only about eight weeks in, but the, the sheen has definitely uh, come off for Henry in the Fantasy Football League. You know, my, my team's doing all right. I am now up up to 128th on uh, 349 points, just 75 off top spot. Um, so, you know, any minute now I'll be in the top 20, as I predicted. Um, Henry, not so much. Not so much, really. Uh, he's up a couple of places this week to two hundred and sixteenth. Yeah, two hundred eighty-nine points. I mean, it's not—it's not been a great start, has it? 
It's not, no, but I, um, while I was in the airport the other day, I was going through my fantasy and I thought, I've got to get Haaland in there somewhere. And to be honest, I should have thought this a week ago because he scored six in that week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played my wild card. I've now got Haaland, Kane and Jesus up front, sacrificed some of the midfield, and I'm hoping that is going to get me to, to glory. So uh, we'll wait and see. But I mean, the Considering he scored six in the two games before, I then put him in as captain and he only scored one against Villa. So mm. uh, maybe that's a sign for everyone else to take him out because if he's in my team, he ain't going to do very well. Henry's curse strikes again. Uh, the top three, uh, Lee White's from Matt Wilk on 424 and then joint second, uh, Maximum Drama, Max Sefton on 421 and Gangsters Allardyce from Krishna Chowan. Um, four two one. Also, I'm going to apologise to Cam Lowe for saying his team name wrong over the past few weeks. I thought it was a cunning play on words um, for Matthias Delict. Uh, what is it? Angel Delict, Angle Delict. I basically, I thought it was a play on words. Doesn't look like it was a play on words, um, and it got mentioned on Twitter. So I apologise, Cam. You know, keep listening to the podcast. Um, and, and catch up as well. I think you've dropped down a couple of places, so uh, you need to get some work done, mate. Okay, right. Time to talk football again. Time to talk proper football. League One football again. It's prediction time. Pass us my crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Two games to predict this week. It's uh, Cheltenham, of course, on Saturday. At Wadden Road, I don't care what it's called sponsor-wise. Something like the completely Suzuki Stadium or something now. Yeah, it's had yeah. some weird names, that place. Yeah, well, I'm going on Saturday, and I like to make a note of every ground in the 92 I've been to. And I just, I'm going to have to go with Wadden Road because I'm going to have to then change it every other season if uh, if I put the Suzuki Stadium or whatever it is. Yeah, no, it's it's Johnny Rock's World of Smile. Mm. It's had loads of different ones, but I will always know it as Wadden Road. I've been going to Wadden Road for many, many moons, and uh, it's it's much better stadium than it used to be. Let's just put it that way. Um, but it's it's very tight. It's it's quite for for a small crowd. I think it's quite a loud crowd because they're right on top here. Um, and Cheltenham, they're not as direct as they used to be. They're not kind of got that kind of long throw that they used to have in League 2, not quite as physically imposing, but they have got, as we mentioned earlier, Alfie May and Unlundaloo, uh, rather, um, who, uh, you know, they've got goal threats. They've got goal threats. They've just struggled to, to keep them out at the other end so far. So it's 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 going to be an interesting one. It's, it's one that Wanderers should win. If they want to be anywhere, they, they should be winning this game. Let's, let's say that. Yeah, I think it's a good challenge because I know that, um, I know that uh, last year we won at um, uh, at Warden Road or the Johnny Rocks or whatever you want to call it. Um, but at the end of the season, we were on fire. I think this this is a big test for us this time because traditionally we don't do well at these tight grounds. Um, and yeah, they've got they've got two strikers that could cause us trouble. Um, and it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's not something that we're used to with uh, comparing it to the big open pitch of, of Bolton's ground. So, yeah, on paper, considering the third bottom as well, we should do OK. Um, we should win. But it's, I think it's a big September. I know Ian Everett said, didn't he, last week? He said if we can be in the top 10 by the end of September because of the tough games we've got, then he'll be happy. Mm. Um, 
yeah, I think if you look at our next two games, Cheltenham and MK Dons, it's it, on paper with them both being in the bottom eight or nine, we should do okay. But you, then you look and think, well, Bolton are, are more than capable of giving teams a leg up when they need one. So uh, if we we could end up with egg on our face in the next two games, um, are, are you? How big? I know it's only seven games into the season, but how big do you think this week of this run of fixtures is for Bolton? I think it's quite it's quite a big one in as much as they're very different games. Even if you take into Peterborough at home as well, that that kind of follows. It's a big. It's going to be a big endorsement if they can get points of this squad rotation policy that that Ian Everts got at the moment. It's done okay. I think you know there's still the jury's out with some people on it. But I, you know, I think Saturday's results shows that it can work. If they can eke out wins at teams as different as Cheltenham and MK Dons and then go on and put a performance in at home against Peterborough, that you'd expect when you're at home you should put a performance in. But it's kind of that horses for courses thing. If they Can they pick a team that is capable of going and playing on a tight pitch against a more direct team, all the things that Wadden Road are going to bring? And then can they pick another team with different personnel or largely different personnel that goes and plays against a possession-based team on a big pitch MK Dons in midweek where there's going to be next to no fans or, or next to no atmosphere at least, uh, you know, on yeah. a, in a midweek game. Very different places, very different environments. Which players for you suit Saturday? Uh, you know, a, a real kind of dynamic, you know, tough environment. Well, for me, Saturday would be a perfect game for Bod Varson, but he's injured, so mm-hmm. um, that ain't a possibility. But I think you'd naturally, at most places, go for a sort of big man, small man up front, which would then say Bakio, Cohen, Charles, and then maybe Afalayan. Um, you know, because I think for for Bolton, it's those grounds you need to get, you need to find your way out of. Uh, holes or you need to find your way out of crowded situations. I think Affalion's very good at that. It, I can't remember whether Affalion won the penalty last year. I, I can't he certainly remember. played well. I, I can only, I can yeah. only remember that Affalion was outstanding on the day. Yeah, so so I would probably go for the um, I would try and get Affalion in there and then go for Charles and Bakioko up front. But um, yeah, it's going to be again for our defence that has been okay this season but had its moments where we've, uh, we've not been very good. I think they're going to have to be on on form. They're going to have to be um, paying attention. Because if you remember the goal that Cheltenham scored last year, that was from a defensive mm-hmm. mistake or a goal tra- mistake. Traffic, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, I think it's it's two very different games. I would go for the Bakioko, Charles, Afalayan myself. Um, but then, I mean, the, the thing about the squad is we've got options off the bench to change it if we need to. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I, I do wonder, you, you might be right, maybe go 3-4-3, three, three. maybe a slight formation tweak as opposed to, um, you know, just sticking with the same formation and, and playing a 10. Um, you may put, put Affaline in as a 10, I suppose, but um, yeah, I, I agree with you in as much as you need somebody to, to spark it. Last season was Affaline, I think Aaron Morley scored and, and had a good game as well on that day. Um Jack Iredale potentially as a left wing back as a slightly more you know robust and, and defensive type that may be a bit better in the air because they have got quite a few kind of physical threats up front. But it is a day that 
Santos is going to have to be switched on. He was brilliant, I thought, against Charlton last weekend. It was much, much better from him. Hopefully, that's the sign of things to come for him, that he's feeling fitter, he's feeling better about himself, and he's, he's over that foot problem that maybe set him back a little bit. But got to switch on from the off. Um, you know, Johnston, his mistake last weekend, he's over it. He scored at the end of that game as well. Hopefully, that's uh, that's got rid of any of the sort of tension and such like. But it's... Mm. Yeah, I I think that's that's the kind of thing. MK Dons will be a different type of game. It's much more technical. It's more of a Kieran Lee type of game. Um, you know, I, I would be happier seeing some of the more mobile, the Kachungas, that kind of thing coming in in that one and, and maybe changing things around a little bit. Do, would you could you change anything on the the right hand side? If are, you, are we going to be going Bradley Bradley in both games? Do you think? I think Bradley's more suited for the MK Dons game. Um, you know, I think when you look at, I know, well, Port Vale's got the biggest pitch in the the league, but I guess it's a, a smaller ground and a bit more of a a, a a different type of game. And I thought Bradley did had one of his, I don't want to say worst games because he's set himself very high standards. But I think in that day, as difficult as it was with the Sun, I don't think he played to his best. Mm. So maybe that is a game where, because sadly a. Uh, uh, played well last year uh, in that position, so maybe it's a, a chance for Sadlier to come in and uh, um, I, I, instead and just give Bradley a bit of a rest because you think Bradley's game is mainly on pace, it's mainly on running up and down the pitch. Will he get as much space to do that at Cheltenham? Possibly not, but if he does, you never could look at it and go, well, if he does find that space, then that's an outlet and it's uh, perhaps it's it's he'll get to the end of the pitch quicker. So. Um, I, I think at the moment you can't really drop Bradley, but then Ian Everett said that he's he's not going on how you did in the last game. He's going on what I think you can do in this game. Mm, yeah, well, I think we've all been crying out, trying to find some way of getting Kieran Sadlier into the team or to, to be given a start in games. He's played fewer minutes than anybody else in, in the, the squad so far. Um, and, you know, I would like to see him play further forward. I'd like to see him given a chance, particularly if they were to move to a slightly different shape or, or maybe maybe in that number 10 role. Um, but if it's right back or it's right wing back, then so be it. Uh, it would have to be against the right type of team. Uh, but he can unpick locks. That's that's the thing about him, isn't it? He, he, he is mm. capable of, and set pieces. You know, I, I would I would back him against uh, anybody else, I think, in the, in the Bolton squad. So it'd be interesting to see. I'm pretty sure he'll get a chance in one or the other game, but it'd be interesting to see which one he pops up in. Um, Prediction-wise... Let's have yours for both games. Um, I'll go with 2-1 Cheltenham. Uh, I think we'll, we'll get the same result as last year and, and win. MK MK is a difficult one because MK reminds me of the Charlton game at the Valley last year. So MK aren't doing very well. You expect a, a lot better from them. Now we can either go and give them uh, a route back into... I don't know if they're playing on Saturday, but we could give them a route back into... Uh, playing well, or we could go there and win three or four one and really turn the screw. I hope it's the latter, but I think overall in the next three games, if you take the Portsmouth game out, um, if you offer me, I don't know, if you offer me five points, I'd probably take that. You know, and think right, we just move on to October now, where we've got uh, games against teams lower down and easier games. Um, so. I'll go with a I'll go with a one one at MK. I think uh, they've got Bristol Rovers at the weekend at home MK. So you could do with Bristol Rovers giving them a a roughing up. I would imagine. Yeah. 
Yeah. Go, for, just for once, I'll find myself on the side of Joey Barton. Go on, Joey. Um, <laughs> our, our good friends down at Bristol Rovers. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I, I would take four points out of it quite happily. Which way round, I'm not sure. There's a bit of me that would happily take a point at, Ch- at Cheltenham. And then in a game that I feel like they should be more comfortable in, you know, traditionally, Ian Everett's teams have, have been better in the in the foot, more footballing games. I'd like them to, to beat an MK Dons and just show that that they have evolved and from last season when they went to MK, they got taught a, a real lesson that day. And I know MK have made changes. They've made all these summer signings. They've lost pl- people like Darlin and Twine and things like that. But they are still expected to be right up there. So there's there's a bit of me that wouldn't mind seeing that reverse. If they have to scrap out a point on Saturday, so be it. But as long as they follow it up with a big performance at, at MK, um, I would be happy with four. But do you know what? Do you know what? I'm going to go for 2-0 Saturday uh, against Cheltenham. And I'm going to go for... 2-1 against MK Dons. I'm going to be double positive six points. Wow. Uh, I don't think we've won at MK, have we? We've never won at that ground. So it would be nice to go there and win. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. A very good point. Okay, well, we'll see how accurate or inaccurate... Well, it can't get any more inaccurate than we were last week with the uh, Transfer Deadline Day blog, where we, <laughs> you know, hyped it up as if there was going to be something happening. But uh, that was... Uh, that was yeah, It's my fault. It's my fault, you know. It is what it is. But um, I'm sure... I'm sure uh, we'll have plenty more to talk about uh, next week. Two big, big games on the horizon. And then, of course, Peterborough to come as well. Um, but uh, please do tune in. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Leave a review. I keep on getting told, tell them to leave a review, Mark. You never do. I'm asking you, leave a review. Whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, leave a review. If you listen to it on the Bolton News website, I don't really care who you leave a review. Um, but if you listen to it anywhere else, it helps us, apparently. It helps spread the word. I have no idea how these things work. But please, only five stars, of course. You're not allowed to leave anything else. That goes without saying. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, do uh, thank you. And then if you've got anything to email in, you know what the email address is by now. It's certainly going to be in the uh, in the information on, on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. So please do email in. Give us some ideas. Okay. Right. Until next week. I have been Mark Isles. I've been Henry Hewitt. And I couldn't think of anything to put in between my uh, first name and uh, second name this week. But this has been The Buff.